We were speaking last time about perception, cognition theory, and we saw that uh, there are basically two positions that uh, are uh, taken with regard to the Sautrantika and uh, above tennis systems, and these are the uh, true aspectarian and the false aspectarian. And we saw that uh, the uh, false aspectarian says that uh, we only uh, cognize with uh, bare sensory non-conceptual cognition one moment of uh, one sensory type of uh, data of a form of physical phenomenon at a time. And that's all that uh, we cognize. And it is uh, only with conceptual cognition that uh, the uh, conceptual mind mentally fabricates uh, a, uh, an appearance of a whole conventional object that uh, lasts over time and which uh, pervades all its parts, even the parts that uh, we don't uh, uh, perceive terms of one type of data, like the uh, sight, and uh, also all the other types of uh, sensory data. The uh, false aspectarian position is the one that is followed by the non galupa schools. The Galupa uh, schools uh, follow the true aspectarian um, interpretation. And according to the true aspectarian uh, interpretation, when we perceive one moment of, a, uh, uh, of just a sensory data of a form of physical phenomenon, we actually also uh, uh, cognize at the same time the whole object. And in doing so, this is because they assert that uh, uh, collection syntheses, which is uh, a whole object, and kind syntheses, which is uh, the kind of object that something is, are, in the case of forms of physical phenomenon, also forms of physical phenomenon, uh, whereas uh, the false aspectarians uh, say that they are actually uh, static phenomenon, like uh, in the same type of phenomenon as categories. So we have uh, this basic uh, difference, and we were speaking in terms of the true aspectarian uh, position. Uh, so this is the one that uh, is accepted by the group of school. So I'd like to uh, go on from there. And talk about, uh, first of all, individual defining characteristic marks of a whole and its parts. Uh, you know, individual defining characteristic marks are what uh, allow, what is uh, focused on by the mental factor of distinguishing, which allows uh, us to be able to distinguish one object uh, from another object. So, <laughs> when uh, we uh, speak about the uh, non-prasangika schools with this uh, true aspectarian interpretation. Let's talk about uh, a body, for example. A body has this existence established from its own side as a validly knowable phenomenon that is a whole and that's a specific kind of phenomenon. This is because Sautrantika uh, says that uh, all things are uh, have their existence established from something on their own side. They uh, are established by a self-establishing nature, which is uh, 
then renders it a self-established phenomenon, which is usually translated as an inherently existent phenomenon. So things are established as existing from something on their own side. And uh, it's established as a whole and as a certain kind of uh, phenomenon. So it's a whole body that uh, pervades you know, all the senses and lasts over time. And uh, it, uh, um, it is a certain kind of, bo- of thing. We might not know what kind of thing it is. We don't necessarily have the name for it, but it exists as a whole object and as a kind of object from its own side. Right? It's important not to say that it exists as a body because uh, we might not know yet that it is a body. So how is it uh, established as that? We would also say that uh, it is established as a, a whole object and as a kind of object by the individual defining characteristic marks of the collection synthesis and kind synthesis. So, either by those marks alone, as in Sautrantika and Chittamatra, or by those marks in conjunction with being something imputed by conceptual cognition, as in Svatantrika. So, remember, I think we've uh, discussed this before, you have an individual defining characteristic mark that makes it what it is. And that individual defining characteristic mark, there'll be one for the collection synthesis, for being a whole object, and there'll be one for the kind of object uh, that it is. And according to uh, Sautrantika, that individual defining characteristic mark by itself has the power to establish that it's a whole uh, or that, and that uh, it's a kind of a thing. Whereas uh, um, Chittamatra agrees with that uh, as well. Whereas uh, Svatantrika says that uh, it's that defining characteristic mark in conjunction with uh, mental labeling, you know, what a mental label refers to, that it establishes that it is um, a whole object and a kind of object. Now, the, the, do you follow that so far? I mean, this is complicated, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's complicated. So basically you have, sometimes I've uh, described that as a barcode. So you have a barcode on the side of the uh, object and the barcode is of uh, a whole thing and of a kind of thing. <coughs> you might not know what it is, I mean, because it's like a barcode, but uh, uh, either that establishes it by itself, or as that would be Sautrantika and Chittamatra, or in conjunction with a barcode reader, in a sense, that it establishes uh, what it is. That would be like the Svatantrika uh, position. Now, the individual types of sensory data sight, sound, smell, taste, and physical sensation or texture of the body, and the individual moments of the body do not exist independently of each other. Right? I mean, it's a whole object. It extends over time. It extends over all the parts and all the different types of uh, sensory data. Nevertheless, each has its own individual defining characteristic mark established on its own side. So that's what uh, we have here, that uh, there's a whole body, it has its uh, defining characteristic as a whole, that's a collection synthesis, and it's a kind of thing, it's another individual defining characteristic mark, there's a defining characteristic mark of the sight of it, one of the smell of it, one of the sound, one of the taste, one of the texture, so it's pretty crowded on the uh, side of the uh, object. And the individual defining characteristic marks of the uh, whole collection synthesis and kind synthesis are found in each moment of each type of sensory data of the common sense object. So each moment of this object is going to have all of that, all of these uh, individual defining characteristic marks. So 
Um, sorry, yeah. But it doesn't have only one sound, one smell. It could have plenty of sounds and smells and whatever, this whole object. Well, yes, in each moment the sound and the uh, sight will be different as the thing moves. Yeah, no, but also in one moment one could have different smells or different uh, sounds going on the side of the object. Well... For example, the feet smell different than, <laughs> uh, than the hand and the head or whatsoever. So if I take a, a body of a person yeah, as an example, so I would, I would assume that there are different... Because you said it's one, one smell, one sound or whatsoever. So I just wanted to... Well, this gets very complicated because, uh, you know, in one moment of perceiving one, the data of one sense uh, field, mm -hmm. there are many objects. Mm -hmm. And each of those objects has many parts. Mm -hmm. So with sights, it's colored shapes. So there's the colored shape of all the different parts of your body as well. So each of the parts is going to have its own individual defining characteristics. So that's why I said when we talk about parts, there are spatial parts. If you want to talk about, I mean, if, it's, if we're speaking about sight, uh, and there are, see, see I've listed them, cognitive parts. So the uh, different sensory qualities, there are physical parts. So the physical parts would be different smells within, you know, many things in the room could have different uh, smells, different parts of your body could have different smells, uh, and there are temporal parts. And each of the parts has its own defining, <laughs> individual defining characteristic. So it's quite, it's quite a lot. So it's quite a lot. And then, of course, everything depends in that moment of cognition uh, of uh, what you're paying attention to. And we could pay different amounts of uh, attention to different parts of that sensory field. So some parts we might really pay a lot of attention to and others just sort of peripherally um, pay attention to. That has to do with interest and you know all of these other things. So there are many, many different uh, mental factors that are involved in each moment. Nothing solid about it, but nevertheless, it's a whole moment of uh, cognition. That's the uh, the point here. Mm. And so from that aspect, it's what we talk about: one sound, one smell. So at one moment, because it's a, the 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 side of the whole object, so to speak. Well, because yes, when you say what well, you could. <laughs> You could say one moment with many different parts, uh, uh, cognitive parts and physical parts. Mm, okay. You could say one uh, cognitive part with many moments and many physical parts. I mean, you could okay, divide yeah, it. Okay, I see. So it's endless. Well, there are only nine possibilities. <laughs> yeah, okay. But in each of these moments, you would have to say that uh, you also cognize the whole, that the defining, individual defining characteristic mark of the whole is found in each of these moments. That's the point, or each mm -hmm. of these parts. That's the point. So when seeing the body, we see the body as a whole common sense object. That's a specific kind of object simultaneously with seeing one moment of the colored shapes that are its basis for imputation. Remember, the whole is an imputation on the parts. And imputation in this sense is a form of physical phenomenon that is imputed on another form of physical phenomenon. That's an imputation on it. It's not that somebody has to impute it. So the moment of colored shapes is the basis for the defining characteristics of the collection synthesis and kind synthesis of the whole body. That's sort of a general statement. You follow that so far? Yes. 
So no matter what we are, uh, um, what type of sensory cognition we have, and no matter what parts, whether it's uh, cognitive parts or physical parts or temporal parts, we're always cognizing the whole, you know, the a, you know, part of a whole object. So when I see um, my hand, I'm seeing part of the body. Okay. The body, so now, the next topic is the whole and its parts are established as a single substantial entity. Remember we uh, spoke about, um, well, we spoke about how in the non-prasangika systems, we have substantially established phenomenon. And these substantially established phenomenon act as the native natal source of uh, the uh, cognition of them. When we speak about Sautrantika or Sautrantika Svatantrika. In Chittamatra, the natal source is uh, coming from the same natal source as the uh, cognition of it, a seed of karma. But uh, let's just stick with the uh, tenant system. Let's stay with Sautrantika that uh, asserts uh, things have forms of physical phenomenon, have an external natal source. Now, in terms of this, we have substantially established uh, uh, phenomenon and uh, they uh, uh, constitute then a uh, substantial uh, entity, sort of a thing that would exist in the moment before you perceive it. That's what external phenomena mean, that uh, they actually exist in the moment uh, before our cognition of them. And it would say here that uh, the body is a whole common sense object that's the collection and kind synthesis in any moment of any one of its sensory qualities constitute a single substantial entity established simultaneously in a sensory cognition. In other words, the body and the side of the body are established as objects of a single cognition at the same time. Constitute one natal source of the cognition together. So it's one substantial, a single substantial entity. So when we see a body, we see the side of a body, right? They can't be seen separately from each other. You can't see a body without seeing the colored shapes, the side of a body. They constitute a single substantial entity, which according to Sautrantika is the externally established natal source of the visual cognition of it. Furthermore, no matter how much of the side of the body we see in one moment, the visual information of the body extends over the entire surface of the body. It's not larger or smaller than the extent of the body. What could that mean? The sight of a body, regardless of how much of the sight we see, the sight of a body extends over the entire body. The colored shapes of the body extend over the whole body, regardless of how much we see of it. You know, we have to, let's not lose sight of uh, the larger context that uh, we're discussing this whole thing in, which is that uh, a person or self 
is an imputed, imputational phenomenon on the basis of five aggregates, so that when we uh, see a body, first moment we would see a body, and then uh, we would come, you know, and if there's no consciousness with the body, then it's just a corpse, it's not a person. But there also has to be a mental consciousness, which according to Sautrantika has the defining characteristic of a person. So, what we were discussing, so the, a person is imputedly knowable. First you have to cognize the basis and then you can cognize the basis with the person. Or if we're only talking about the body, the body is self, as a self, what's the word? Substantial, self-sufficiently knowable, substantial phenomenon, substantially established phenomenon. So our whole question was, how much do you have to know in order to know a person? How many of the parts? So that is, uh, we're talking about this now in terms of the body. How much of the body do you have to see in order to see a person? Well, the person pervades all the aggregates, so a person pervades the whole body when there's mental consciousness there. And so a person would pervade the whole body, regardless of how much of the body we see. So just as the sight pervades the whole body, so does the person. And the sight and the whole body and the person, they all constitute one natal source. Right? From the side of the object. They're all basically one thing. Do you follow that? So that's this uh, topic of uh, what we see in a in, uh, in that moment. So another way of describing the relation between the two is that the body and the sight of the body are the same substantial entity but different conceptual isolates. Conceptually, you can isolate everything other than a body from everything other than a sight, but substantially they constitute one entity. So you have one entity, one substantial entity, one thing that is over there. It's a whole object. We might not know what it is. If we know what it is, we would say it's a body. To know what it is is conceptual, fitting it into a category and giving it a name. Not necessarily giving it a name, but could give it a name. So, I'm looking at uh, this thing. And this thing over there is from its own side. It's a whole object. The sight, the colored shapes pervade the whole object. It's also a person. Person pervades uh, the whole object. All the sensory data, all the parts, continues over time, has continuity regardless of how little actually uh, appears as the part in my cognition. Let's say I only see the front of the body, I don't see the back. That doesn't mean that the back doesn't have colored shapes, does it? That would be pretty funny if that were the case. So it's the same thing if we think in terms of the aggregates, 
just because I only know a little bit about another person, still you'd have to say, I know the person. I'm talking to a person. I saw a person. All their parts. You know, if you're talking about the body, all of their mental factors, we talk about the other aggregates and so on. They're all there, established on the side of the of the person. They constitute one substantial entity. That would be the natal source of, you know, when I come along and see them. And in seeing any part or hearing, you know, some sounds of their voice on the phone or whatever, I'm hearing a whole object. And it's a kind of object, a specific kind of object. That's what this is saying. It's just putting it into technical jargon. So within that, you know, substantial entity, that one substantial entity, conceptually, I can isolate, well, the person, and I can conceptually isolate. Isolate means nothing other than. So it's not everything else. So from one point of view, the person, it's not a body, they're not the same. From another point of view, conceptually, I can say it's a body. Or it's an arm, or it's a body, or it's a colored shape, or it's a, a you know, sight of a body. This type of, uh, of thing. So, we have now uh, two positions. Well, first of all, think about that. I mean, basically just saying that even though a body and all the parts, spatial, cognitive, temporal, and the person they're all one substantial entity, one thing over there. Nevertheless, it doesn't make a person identical to the body and a person identical and the body identical to the arm or the body identical to the smell. Conceptually, you can isolate and differentiate all of these different uh, aspects. That's what it's saying in simple language. So when I am interacting with a person I'm interacting with the whole thing. I mean, there is the whole person with all the aggregates and everything like that. And I can conceptually isolate all the different aspects of them, even though, and there will be some that I'm actually aware of in that moment and some that I'm not.
when I see you, I'm seeing the body, right? I'm seeing a person. I'm seeing just the front of the body, obviously. Or the back of the body, if I'm you know, standing behind you. Do you have emotions? Well, yes. You have emotions, you have some level of happiness or unhappiness that you're experiencing and so on. How much of that am I seeing that at that time? I don't know, that becomes an interesting question. Do I know that at this at that time? If you have sensitivity, you can't see the emotion, but you can infer it from body posture, the expression on the face, tone of the voice. These sorts of things, your inference could be accurate or inaccurate. Could be completely wrong. But it's important to realize that you're not just seeing an object, a physical object, that that person also has feelings, that person also has emotions. It's not just a body, it's also a person. All of these have many, many <coughs> ramifications, many implications in terms of our interactions with others. What are we actually seeing is the question. And this is the case not only when we see somebody else, but when we see ourselves, we hear ourselves talking, or we look at our leg or our hand. All the aggregates are there. The person pervades all of them. body pervades all of them and we pervade over time so it's not just this one moment where my back hurts or you know this or that the basis of imputation of a person is very very vast isn't it basis of imputation of me where we get into trouble is when we only look at a very, very tiny portion of the basis for imputation and identify with it my pain. What I just said was so terrible. Guilty. These type of things. So all of these are implications of this whole discussion of whole and parts. So it's actually a very important topic, although the way that it's always discussed is highly technical. But as I'm always trying to emphasize, we shouldn't be afraid of uh, these highly technical discussions because uh, and descriptions and analyses because they're actually talking about something very practical. But you need a very good analytical framework to be able to deconstruct it and, and understand what's going on.
So now there's a uh, difference of opinion, there was difference of uh, interpretation among the various uh, uh, textbooks used in the monasteries. According to the Jaitsumba textbook, the single, I'll read this, the single substantial entity is established by the body and each of its sensory qualities constitutes separate different substantial entities and so separate different natal sources for valid cognition of them by different senses. So we have the whole and its uh, sight. You know, if we're focusing on the whole and the sight, you would say that uh, the whole and the sight constitute one substantial entity, and we can say that the whole and the sight have is a different conceptual isolate. And if we focus on the whole and the smell of the body, then that's a separate substantial entity. So they say that the whole and each of these sensory uh, types of data, these types of sensory data constitute separate substantial entities. And they say, if this were not the case, and they were all the same substantial entity established simultaneously in a sensory cognition, then the absurd conclusion would follow that one cognition for instance, visual cognition would have to cognize the body together with all its sensory qualities at the same time, not only a colored shape. <laughs> so, although <laughs> the whole pervades the sight and the smell, Nevertheless, when we see something, we don't, we, all, we don't also cognize the smell, is what uh, the Jetsumba position is uh, saying. So there are different substantial entities in terms of uh, what sense we are uh, using to cognize the whole object. Nevertheless, all the data is there on the side of the object. So we have, by the way, when we say the uh, sound of the body, we said, you know, the, the sensory data of the body are the sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch, the texture. What is the sound of a body? Mind you, we make a differentiation between sound of the body and the sound of the voice. Sound of the voice is not the sound of the body. So what's the sound of the body? What's the sound of the voice? Sound of the voice is when you speak. You differentiate body, speech, and mind in Buddhism. But does the body have a sound? If it drops down, yeah. Pardon? <laughs> if it drops on the floor... If it drops on the floor, it makes sound. a sound. The sound of breathing or bowel movement? Sound of breathing, bowel movement, breaking bones. wind, creaking of the bones, gurgling of the stomach. That's the sound of the body. That's the sound of the body, not the, the sound of the voice. The swing of this... <clears throat> the vocal the cords, well, that's not the body. Well, because, because Buddhism differentiates body, speech, and mind. Not only Buddhism, all of Indian philosophy does that. And they always treat sound very, you know, especially coming from the whole Veda thing that, you know, sound is permanent. Sound of Om is permanent, you know, this type of thing. 
So it's always treated uh, separately. But nevertheless, you would have to say that the body does have a sound, I think. So anyway, <laughs> but... Especially if you listen carefully, for example, if one, if one lays in bed and falls asleep in the evening, yeah, and then the body is still, let's say, a little uh, working on it, uh, then one, one hears the, the heartbeat and lots of things, I think. Yeah? Yes, there are lots, lots of sounds, sounds uh, around in the body. Yeah, the breathing, the heart beating. Quite noisy, actually, yeah. Sometimes difficult to fall asleep because of the noise. Sometimes difficult to fall asleep because of the... Mm. Especially if you wear earplugs. For yeah. example, like me, when I go to bed, I, I put earplugs because it's during the daytime oftentimes, so then yeah. it's extra loud, <laughs> extra much sound. Of the That's body. true. Yeah, yeah, of the body. Yeah. Well, also there's tinnitus. Huh. Mm. There's ringing all the time, yeah. Right. Yeah. Tinnitus, I mean, it's interesting. I uh, found out what tinnitus is from a ear doctor that... Uh, uh, <coughs> Like in uh, my own case, age-related, I can't hear certain high frequencies, mm -hmm. so the brain compensates by making that high frequency, mm -hmm. and that's what I hear with tinnitus. I hear a high, high-pitched uh, frequency all the time. Mm -hmm. But is it a sound, or is it just an illusion of your? Is it a sound? That's mm -hmm. a, It is a sound cognized by mental cognition. Not by, by ear, ear cognition, consciousness. ear not, consciousness. Not by consciousness. Well, like you have, uh, I mean, there are forms of physical phenomenon that can only be known by mental uh, consciousness, like dream forms. And there's a list of five of them. I'm not sure which one the sound of tinnitus would <laughs> fall into. But it would be one of those. It's not imaginary. It's not a visualization. And it's not a, uh, a dream. And it's not a uh, uh, hallucination. It's not a uh, um, astronomical or microscopic uh, thing. Anyway. So we have the Jetsumba uh, position that uh, the whole in each of its sensory parts constitutes a separate substantial entity. According to the Pension textbook, the uh, whole common sense body and all the single substantial entities constituted by the body and each of its sensory qualities constitute the same substantial entity established simultaneously in cognition of it by any of the senses. So, Pension says, no, that uh, the uh, whole and all of the uh, types of sensory data constitute one substantial entity. Otherwise, the absurd conclusion would follow that one could cognize a whole common sense body separately from cognizing a body together with just one of its sensory qualities. So each of them has their uh, uh, reason. What do you think? Which one makes more sense? The whole plus sight. The whole plus sight? That, that, that would include smell and everything else. So that appears with sight and then is one item. That, that doesn't make so much sense. But the other thing that says whole is a whole. There's nothing else than a whole. It has to constitute of everything. And then comes along with all the others. That makes more sense. Okay. So if we talk about a whole, a whole has to include all the different 
types of sensory data. So it would make sense that uh, if we see a hole, we're seeing all the sensory data. So could you see only a site then? This is what Pension says, that uh, um, if that uh, weren't the case, You couldn't just cognize, you know, one of the uh, the senses, so that uh, you would cognize all of them. But how is it that uh, when you see a body, you don't also cognize its smell? Yeah, but, but you still have the different conceptual items. In, in the right, you could so still conceptually isolate each of them. So you can, cons you can take in the different item without them being together with the whole. I mean, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't make so much sense. If you say the whole, speak is, louder. If you say the whole is really the whole package, as you have indicated above in your, in your, yeah. in your graphics, you know, then it includes everything. And then it comes together with just one aspect. And that's being cognized. But the rest, the whole, is coming along, but it's not being cognized. That, that doesn't make so much sense to differentiate that in isolated items. Because it makes more sense to cognize a whole or one of the items. But the Jitsunbos seem to, to connect the two, that you get the site along with the whole in one, in one isolate. It, it, it sounds, uh, just from, from my feeling, it sounds a bit illogical to, to connect. I mean, it could be understood in the way also as you asked in the beginning, if it's meaning the whole site, all aspects of site, or is it, mm. meaning, that was my question before, or is it indicating the whole set of all the items in, in the field, smell, sound, texture, whatever? Well, I must say that I don't know. In the Jaitsumba position, when we say the whole, is it the whole site? And the, uh, um, but what is uh, isolated, conceptually isolated, is the whole from the site. So you can't say that it's the whole site. That doesn't make any sense either. We do just see a sight. What uh, the objection that uh, I mean, the absurd conclusion in the text there. Is that one of in that pension says that one could follow that would follow that one could cognize a whole common sense object separately from cognizing a body together with just one of its sensory qualities. What in the world does that mean? Could you repeat it? That one could not? The, if, it, if you didn't cognize the whole thing, mm. when I see you, if the substantial entity that I'm seeing didn't include, in that moment of cognition, the sight, smell, taste, etc., then it would absurdly follow, in other words, absurdly follows is what's wrong, is that one could cognize a whole common-sense body separately from cognizing a body together with just one of its sensory qualities.
In other words, uh, you couldn't just cognize one sensory quality, is what he's saying. But why? I don't, I can't follow the logic. Well, I must say, I don't follow the logic either. I didn't copy out here the entire argument. Mm. But in any case, we have... Let's think about it a little bit uh, longer. I mean, according to Jaitsumba, the sight of the body and the smell of the body are different substantial entities. Whereas according to Pension, they constitute the same substantial entity. If they weren't separate substantial entities, together with the whole, then you couldn't cognize them separately. You'd have to cognize everything at once with each sense. So he says, that doesn't make sense. And Pension says, if you just cognize one substantial entity, being the whole and the sight, you couldn't actually cognize the whole. That's what he, that's the, the logic. That's the argument. Yeah, because then you would not recognize at the same time, or you couldn't uh, recognize at the same time the whole and the smell. Because uh, the, the smell is included in the whole. So the, the, I, I think he says the contradiction is that in the, the moment, if you say if you go for the first position for the Jetsumba's position, Jetsumba, yeah, yeah, and and you would recognize the whole and the side, you would not you would not be able to recognize the whole because in the whole the smell is included. So because it's a whole, this this in the whole in the substan in the in the whole as a substantial entity, the smell is included. So you could not. So there's a contradiction if you see the side. And only the whole and the side, and what does it mean? Well, let's uh, take it uh, in terms of examples. I'm seeing a sight, and I'm seeing a body. That's where the whole is. It's a body. So when I'm see so. Jetsumba is saying that seeing a sight and a body is one substantial entity, and smelling a smell and a body is another substantial entity. So, regardless of which sensory channel that I'm cognizing the body and you each one individually is a way of cognizing a body and a person if we understand it like that and that makes sense. Pension is saying that he's taking it quite um, more concretely in a sense. That if you say seeing a person, seeing seeing a body, you know, seeing a sight and seeing a body and seeing a person. Well, the body has to include 
the smell. So taking that a little bit more literally, so then you actually are, you'd have to say that you are cognizing that whole substantial entity, but you're only cognizing one aspect of it. I mean, this is where the, the, it becomes weird. You know, if you are cognizing the whole thing and you take the whole thing literally, to mean all the different types of senses, then you should cognize all of it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't make sense. This is the objection to pension. And pension's objection to Jade Sumpa is that if you see the body through the sight and you see it through the smell and so on, are these totally different things? I mean, how can you say that they are talking about the same body? That it really a whole. That both positions make sense. I, I think what uh, what Katya just said is that what uh, Pension is uh, uh, criticizing with Jesumpa is that there should be then like different. Uh, let's say we talk about the body here, different bodies. Right, different whole bodies. Right, different whole bodies. Then you have a whole sight body, a whole smell body. A whole That's exactly body. right. That's the objection to yeah. Jay Sumbas. All separate entities. All separate entities. And with the other one, Pinchin, is saying that it's all one substantial entity. But then the problem is, how is it that one sense only, uh, no, you know, through one sensory cognition, you only know one sensory type of data? Yeah, but all the others are included. You're, you're and they're included, but how does so? What does that mean? That a smell is an object of a of a uh, uh, eye consciousness. There's smell and sound and texture and sight. And how can they be objects of the sight consciousness? No, but they're according to Pinchin, they're all in the one. Well, according to yes, but this is the objection to Pinchin. <laughs> oh, the objection to that, yeah. yeah. I think Jitsumba is a little bit more like the scientific description. You, you take your tricorder and you, you scan the thing first for sight and then you scan the thing for smell and then you scan the thing for... But that's not, not what you, we usually do. We, we have take in the object and then we have different channels that we switch. Yeah, but we do take in different channels. I'm yeah. Now I'm seeing you, now I'm listening to, to you. Mm. Are you separating those for yourself? But Consciously, as different entities in the whole? No. Well, it all depends how you define whole. Whole. How literally you take how literally you you take the whole. Yeah, but it's being defined differently by two different textbooks. Well, no. I mean, the whole. All of them would agree that the whole has the defining characteristics of all of them, of all the senses. I think. Except one. Sense. I think that they would agree, but they but they don't constitute. Just because they have the the, the whole has the defining characteristic features of all the sensory types of data doesn't mean that that constitutes one substantial entity. Within that, then you can draw, you know. Yeah, but you could, you could draw endless lines. You could also draw lines like uh, the back of the body or whatever. Right, you could draw endless lines. Body, blah, blah, right, Jade Sumba would imply that you could draw endless uh, substantial entities. Mm. Well, that's what you would see in each moment, mm. a different substantial entity. Mm. Maybe another idea is that the jitsun part, they, they are more um, subjective. So, so you, you, you go out on a certain channel and you take in what comes like the smell or the sound from the object. Right. You know, and then the pension are more, it's, it's more 
subject it comes in you're not you're not going out and you, you switch the channel to the object but you're taking in what the object is just sending out for example if someone is far away it's more or less visual you can't smell anyone from far but the dog could the dog could but probably it's, it's also different um, relations with the object so the, the, I think the pension is more passive taking in what come what's What's re what's being received, and the other is more active, reaching out on a certain. I don't know. It's, it's it just seems to be different activities how to deal with the object in a sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I find it always interesting that both. Uh, I mean, you could make we are in Sotrantica. You will find lots of absurd conclusions, whatever model you are taking. Right. So. It just it just shows that this is not the end of the, <laughs> the the end of the conversation and that one that this is not an accurate uh, description of how reality in reality really out there exists. So something must be wrong in any case. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is taking a very prasangika, you know, attitude toward it. Yeah. But as both theories seem to have an absurd conclusion, that seems to be the only solution. You know that it's both untrue, yeah. <laughs> isn't it? Or both are, you know, relatively true. I don't know. I mean, I think that what is interesting is, you know, what you were suggesting, that you know, what is the consequence of uh, actually um, thinking in each of these ways. So, let's try to find an example. The, the, the thing that, that comes to my mind is when you have this uh, um, diluted outlook toward a transitory network, you know, where you throw the net out of me and mine, onto something in the aggregates. So, with the Jetsumba position, then if it's a substantial entity of me, the body, and the smell, oh, I really smell bad today, or you really smell bad today, you identify the person with the smell with one thing. You identify the whole person with one thing. That seems to tie in a little bit more nicely with the Jetsumba position, doesn't it? Now what would be a practical Example with the other one, with pension. You smell oh. terrible, but you are a nice guy. <laughs> well, I am. I smell you. You smell. But there are all these other aspects as well. even though I'm smelling you. There's the sight and there's the, the sound and there's the texture and all these other things. So it becomes a little bit uh, uh, easier not to identify the person with just one. So if we could say maybe with the pension, it's a little bit easier to not have, you know, suffering. Whereas the Jetsumba is describing how we all experience things with suffering. Could that be a difference? I mean, these are the things to think about. I mean, the, these aren't stupid guys who came up with these uh, explanations. Pancho and Jetsumba were incredible uh, masters. 
Jitsumba was the teacher, by the way. Penchen was the disciple. Mm. And he criticized his teacher. Doesn't mean that he didn't respect the teacher, but uh, they had all these debates with each other. I think the pension is in modern terms more holistic. You know, the, the, he identifies a whole as not negating that it has parts, but it's more inclusive. The other one is a little bit more... Well, both of them assert the same type of whole. It's a matter of how much of the whole can you say is the forms a substantial entity. In one moment. In one moment. Substantial entity means the natal source of that cognition. So the natal source of that cognition is not really the, the smell of the body when you're seeing the body. The natal source is really just the smell, I mean, whatever it was, the, <laughs> the smell of the body and the body. But it's not the sight of the body. That's not the natal source. That's a substantial entity. That's Jitsumba. Whereas uh, Pension would say, no, the substantial entity, you'd have to say, is still the whole thing. That's the natal source. So substantial entity, remember, is the same word as natal source. But the problem is that then all these natal sources, how do they make a whole? if you take the Jaitsumpa position. So, anyway, this is a, a good example of, uh, you know, analysis and using uh, analytical meditation to try to understand uh, different positions and what makes sense and try to understand what are the ramifications of it. So, let's end here with the dedication. We think whatever understanding, whatever positive forces come from this, may go deeper and deeper and act as a cause for all beings to reach the enlightened state of a Buddha for the benefit of all.